CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Rob Dukes from Exodus, and you're listening to Talking Fucking Metal. This is Ian Brown from Gypsy Hawk. You're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Eric Kluber, a.k.a. Ron Hauser from Gypsy Hawk, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey guys, welcome to episode 448 of the Talking Metal Podcast. This is Mark Striegel. Checking in with you in December of 2013. Wow, this year went by fast, I tell you. Just flew by for me personally. And uh, I thought that this was a good year for music. It is the first year in a few years that I've decided to do a best of year-end list, which I, I really put a lot of time and effort into thinking about this and trying to get albums on there that that i personally just really loved and and i know that i'm there's stuff i missed i know i i didn't obviously have time to hear every single thing that was released in hard rock and heavy metal this year and that's why i'm hoping that me putting out this list inspires you guys to go on the talking metal facebook page and to send me emails at mark at talkingmetal.com and let me know what albums you think I missed. What were your personal favorites? You know, let me know your top three, your top five. And if you're interested in my top ten, I'm going to tell them to you today. You can also go to TalkingMetal.com and check the list out there. My top ten albums. And I struggled with this list. Uh, definitely really had like probably 25 albums that I really enjoyed that were released this year. And I <clears throat> did narrow it down to to 10 then that's the 10 that's up there uh so again i want to hear what you guys think of my list and what you uh what you guys were listening to this year because again there's definitely stuff i missed or maybe only gave a quick listen to and i need to go listen to it again because i don't believe that every record hits you over the head and you love it the first listen uh, some le- records are like that, but not every record is like that. And some of my favorite records of all time took me a few listens to get into. So let me know what your what your favorite records of 2013 are. Go to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash mstriegel. Uh, there's a Talking Metal Facebook page. There's a Talking Metal digital page. And let me know. Uh, so we're going to get to that in a bit. And on the podcast... We have the singer 
on one of the albums on my top 10 list. It's Generation Kill. He's also known for his work with Exodus. Of course, I'm talking about Rob Dukes. And if you haven't heard the Generation Kill record, again, one of my favorite records of the year, it's called We're All Gonna Die. Another band I've been listening to a lot of lately on vinyl, believe it or not, uh, is Gypsy Hawk. I picked up their 2012 release at a show they did in New Jersey here recently. And uh, man, it's rocking me. And uh, I just love the sound of vinyl. Uh, listen, I don't think vinyl's going to come make a, make a big comeback. But I do think, you know, it has made a little comeback. And uh, it's um, it always sounds great to put on vinyl, especially when it's like guitar-driven rock and roll, heavy metal. A band like Gypsy Hawk, Revelry and Resilience is the album from 2012, which I just picked up on vinyl at the show in Teaneck, New Jersey at the Gypsy Hawk show. If you don't know Gypsy Hawk, our friend Eric plays guitar for them. He is also known in the band as Ron, Ron Hauser. So uh, if you hear somebody talking about Ron Hauser from Gypsy Hawk, that's actually Eric Kluber, a longtime friend of Talking Metal who played in White Wizard before Gypsy Hawk and also Overloaded, a great band out of Michigan. My son just snuck down into the basement here and he's like heading to the the unfinished part of the basement where we keep all his. Hey, Harrison, what are you doing, bud? where we have all his Christmas presents. I think he's discovered that they're there and he's trying to take peeks at him. There he goes. What? Hey dude, what are you doing, man? Anyways, uh, just was interviewing Rob Dukes, which I'm going to play for you in, in uh, a little bit. I'm glad Harrison didn't run down in the middle of that interview. Uh, yeah. So anyways, Gypsy Hawk, Eric Kluber, my good friend and my guitar teacher, or at least I've taken one lesson from him. I hate, I hope to take more. Uh, hung out with me. We had a had a couple drinks and uh, spoke some metal. We also included in the interview Ian Brown, the drummer of Gypsy Hawk. So I think why don't we start there with the Gypsy Hawk interview? And I guess it would make sense to play a little Gypsy Hawk beforehand, and then we'll get into uh, some uh, some of my favorite music from 2013. This is the Fields by Gypsy Hawk off the Revelry and Resilience record from 2012. Calculated stars and lights 
This is Mark Striegel. We have Eric and Ian from Gypsy Hawk hanging out here on the streets of Teaneck, New Jersey. The first Gypsy Hawk show in New Jersey, correct? Correct. Our very first time. We drive through it every tour, but we've never played in this beautiful state. And I thought the crowd was good. You know, it was, they seemed into you guys and uh, enthusiastic. How did you feel about the crowd, Ian? The uh, crowd was awesome. I mean, it, what can you expect from New Jersey? I, we don't know, but <laughs> but it seemed great. It was awesome. A great stage, fun time. And how far into the tour are you right now? Is there a lot left in the tour? Not much at all. Yeah. I think we got like three, maybe four dates left on just the package tour, and then we got to work our way back home. Cool. And you guys played a new song tonight, which I thought was pretty exciting. Eric, tell us about that. I'm assuming that that means there's new music on the way at some point. Yeah, there's new music on the way. The new song that we played is the answers that we would, Mitch, which may we find out one day. Or No, that's an inside joke. The answers we need is what it's called. And uh, Eric wrote it about his favorite, no, not me, by the way, Eric Harris, our singer. His favorite subject, one of them being Dungeons and Dragons and uh, particularly Mind Flayers. And yes, we have quite a bit of new material uh, demoed and uh, we need, do need to write some more as well. Going to be working on a new record and re- slated to be recorded in late March of 2014. And are you guys still working with Metal Blade or is that to be determined? We are still working with Metal Blade, yes. Cool, cool. And where do you find the most enthusiastic crowds when you're on tour? Montreal. Really? Yeah, yeah. 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 I saw some pictures from the Montreal show. Some some ladies with you. They they looked uh, the women they looked are good. Beautiful. The women are beautiful in Montreal, no doubt about that. And the, and the fans are super enthusiastic. Toronto's great city. Uh, USA, I'd say Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, LA, Austin, New York City. South. What do you mean south? Like well, go ahead. Go south. Like, uh, you hit Texas, Texarkana, it's a fucking amazing time. Yeah, but, I mean, that yeah. doesn't compare to Austin. Yeah. I'm mean, talking about the big hubs. Oh. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Detroit was real good this time around. But, like, uh, as far as Canada goes, like, Toronto and Montreal are, are the shit. And Quebec was really good, too. I really enjoyed playing there as well. First time there. Excellent. Do you get a big hometown crowd when you play in Detroit? This, yeah, it's, it's building... Um, Absolutely, man. This last time we played, like two weeks ago, was it was just a like a homecoming for me, you know. You know, we're we're pretty much all transplants, so whenever we go back to our home state, it's just like we meet up with our buds, and they tell their friends, and they tell their girlfriends, and their girlfriends tell their lesbian friends, and their lesbian friends tell fucking random homeless people that can get money, and they come to our shows, and we just have a great time wherever wherever we're from. So it's always fun. Excellent. I don't know, this just popped into my head, Eric, the kind of off-topic uh, subject. But remember that guy Chris Gillen, yes. that great singer? Absolutely, yeah. He was at the Detroit show. One yeah. of my best friends. Cool. He's like one of the only guys I interviewed for Talking Metal, and I never used the interview. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think about that every now and again. And I don't know if he's still doing music, but I definitely owe him a makeup interview if he's still in the game. Yeah, right now. He was doing uh, Tokyo Blade for a while. And he was doing a cover band for a year or two. Actually, he's been doing that for many years, but his most recent cover band. And I think he's looking to get back into original music. And about once a year, Overloaded does a reunion show back in Detroit. So uh, you should talk to him. Okay, cool. I will. I will. And talk about, 
how you guys came together. I met the guys through the original guitar player. Uh, I went to music school in Los Angeles, uh, LA Music Academy, and the original guitar player basically found Gypsy Hawk through Craigslist, and uh, he ended up not panning out, and the original drummer was my roommate at the time, and he was just a fucking, like, gamer emulating nerd that never went to class and fucking just sat on his ass all day and was like oh yeah i guess i'll join this rock and roll band but he was like a house jazz drummer and i was just like no i don't want to fucking be in this band right away i want to i want to do my own shit and uh finally when both of those guys ended up fucking caking and flaking then i was just like yeah let's play some heavy metal so what year did you join you know, we were talking about it tonight, Ron and I. Uh, Ron joined Valentine's Day about three years ago. 2011 was, 2011 was you, so I was about a uh, close to a year after that. Okay. Or a year before that, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I've been in it about four years. Okay. And then the guitar player, the other guitar player, he, what, what's his name again? Well, our new guitar player, Bryant. Yeah, now he, he joined, what, a few months back? He joined two, he auditioned two weeks before the tour. Okay, cool. Because I remember reading something about it on on the internet. I don't know if it's, it was Facebook or Blabbermouth or something. But um, so he's working out good, and and you'll be uh, doing an album, the oh, yeah. you know the upcoming recording and writing with him. Absolutely. One of his things that was very important for him to join the band was that he was going to be a part of the writing process, which Eric and I really welcome. Any help that we can get, you know, to knock these songs out and make them as good as they can be. Um, He's working out great, and halfway through the tour, we asked him if he wanted to be a permanent member because you got to go on tour with us, on the road with us to see if it's going to work. And he was stoked, and we were stoked. He's, he's working out fantastic. Cool. Well, you guys sounded excellent tonight, and again, I think you, you won over a lot of people here in New Jersey and glad that you could finally come to New Jersey and do an actual gig. Uh, last night you played in New York. How'd that gig go, Ian? Oh, the gig was great. I mean... <laughs> Tell him about it. Tell him the whole story. Uh, well, shit. I was going about 70, 75 miles an hour in a 65, and uh, it was smooth asphalt. and Beautiful roads. Beautiful roads. roads. And boom, our tire popped. It exploded. Uh, it didn't pop. It exploded. It, it, it was like, bang, we got, like we got shot by a shotgun. And I heard fucking two of the band members piss their pants. Another one screamed like fucking Kim Kardashian getting <laughs> railed. Uh... So it was pretty fucking crazy. We uh, we ended up pulling over on the side of the road. They said, you know, tow truck's going to be a half hour, fucking like nine hours later. It was pretty cool. It, it, it was, wasn't that bad. But it, like, it all it exploded, and like, it was literally like a grenade, and the, sh- <laughs> the shrapnel, if you will, like severed the coolant line, so it wasn't just like a, a blown tire. And we just got this van also like two weeks before, a week, like a week before the tour, off this band in L.A. called Volumes, and uh, bought it for like fourteen hundred dollars. It's been holding up great, all things considered. And uh, what's oh, it didn't have a spare tire. We didn't have the money for a spare tire. So anyway, we ended up. It was like the metal gods were shining down on us. So we got towed. And uh, right across the street was an enterprise rental place, which had a suburban with a tow hitch, which doesn't exist. Right. Wow. Rental places Never. do not let you tow things. So we took our two inch tow hitch capacitor thing off and. Uh, got the van and uh you know we made the gig happen you know and and new york was great excellent now eric i wanted to revisit a little of your past because we had john from white wizard was on the show and he 
was uh, talking about the recent uh, implosion of, of White Wizard, and he gave us like a 90-minute interview with every little detail, uh, you know, from his side of the uh, the the uh, story. That is, and and he in the in the interview brought up you a number of times, which I thought was kind of weird because you you've been out of that band quite you know at least three years, right? Yeah, over three years uh, since 2010. And and did I don't know if you heard the interview, but I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on him bringing up different stuff, like claiming you were too drunk at some Bruce Dickinson thing to perform, or well, I I do tend to get a bit rowdy at times. Let's not let's not beat around the bush there. But um, I'm not surprised. Me and John never got along, and uh, my whole thing. I thought it was interesting that you told his perspective, but the guy is just straight up full of shit. Always has been full of shit. And Joseph Michael, their, well, last singer, uh, called him out on it. And the guy doesn't hold back any punches and just told it like it was. And uh, finally, I was really relieved that someone else was, like, saying the shit that I saw and in, 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 in with my own eyes for years. Which is what, in a, in a nutshell? I was not surprised to hear that he was embezzling money from the band. I'm not surprised that he's doing shady stuff and he's not giving proper credit to band members. And it rubs people the wrong way. I'm surprised he held it uh, together as long as he did. Uh, But I was not surprised to hear that it fell apart. And then I was in Detroit actually for an overloaded reunion show. And Joseph Michael uh, Facebooked me out of the blue. and was like, dude, I don't know why you didn't kill him when you had the chance. I go, I knew what he was talking about. I'm, I'm like, what? Who, John? He goes, yeah, I'm stranded here in England, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, as the days progressed... Oh, no, was it... We were on tour. Yeah. We were on... Oh, yeah, we, we were, were on... We were on tour with Valiant Tour. No, 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 with Scorpion oh, Child. Oh, Scorpion Child. Okay, yeah, we, yeah. Anywho. Oh, yeah, this was pretty recent. Um, as the days progressed and the story unfolded bit by bit through Facebook and through uh, podcasts and whatnot, I, I was not surprised at all. The big thing was uh, makes a lot of promises, doesn't deliver on his end, doesn't give proper credit to band members for their contributions to this song it has this weird insecurity that he has to be this like mastermind single songwriter which is not true so he sets up a band in a band format but then takes all the credit for everything and then once again financially behind the scenes is not to be trusted hence holy grail well and hence the creation of the holy grail yeah they i mean he went and copy wrote the name behind them and uh took the logo and took the songs and took all the credit for it wow interesting stuff and then from what i heard and those dudes never got paid you know i mean there was an advance for that record uh high-speed gto that's the last i heard those dudes never saw a dime from that wow he, he pocketed the cash apparently he's got some new version that's coming out and uh we'll see man i mean it's definitely interesting to follow that's for sure yeah yeah definitely i mean it actually brought us a lot of streams and downloads that particular episode um so you know it's always good to bring up the uh the white wizard gossip for us uh as far as listenership goes whoever's in that band should have their ccp license basically (laughs) great so anyways we are looking forward to new gypsy hawk material at some point and as far as the live gigs go uh the tour is wrapping up you mentioned uh, soon Will there be another tour happening, or is it just concentrating kind of on getting new material down? We're just kind of sitting right now. We need to work on new music. We really want to write a new killer album. We really want to bring in 
just like the last one, 10 times harder. We're working with the same producer, uh, Zach Oren, uh, up in Oakland. We really like his work. We're really comfortable. He did some somebody else recently. I'm trying to think of oh, who he did. He stuff, uh, uh, Pig Destroyer? or uh, I, could, uh, I couldn't tell you, man. You know, he's... He, He's got a list, but um, it's just, it's really nice working with him. He doesn't have a lot to say. It's just kind of like when we need to tell him to shut the fuck up, he does it. And when he just kind of says like, yeah, you need to do that again, we kind of know. And uh, our last album we recorded in, what, six days? We did the drum tracks in six hours. and real fast real fast and that's kind of how we like to do it is like we we like to have everything all our ducks in a row fucking everything really ready to go and just show up or throw up and really get it done and Ian who are some of your influences as a drummer as a drummer holy shit you're asking the wrong dude uh he's asking you (laughs) who's how's he asking the wrong well i mean you know as the young fucking gun and the crazy kid. Barely. Barely he's a young gun. Brian's uh, almost got him. You know, I grew up listening to a lot of, uh, a lot of Tool. <laughs> Danny Carey. A lot of Danny Carey, a lot of, uh, fucking Deftones. So Abe Cunningham. Uh, but then I got my jazz side of love, uh, Ralph Humphrey, who did Frank Zappa. Uh, fuck, you're putting me on the spot right now. You know. You said Ra- Ralph Hunt- Humphrey? Ralph Humphrey was... When was he with Zappa? He was the third drummer of Zappa. When, where does... Was that guy Chad Wasserman? Where does he fit into it? Uh, he was later? Chad was... Oh, shit. I don't I know. He was on some of the, the final Zappa records. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know, I know Ralph was the third member, but... Dude, I... Couldn't even tell you. Right. No, that's cool. That's cool. Sorry. Any, no problem. Anyways, guys. In my system right now. Guys, we recommend you check out Gypsy Hawk. Go see him live. Go buy the CD, which you can get through metalblade.net or .com. I think it's metalbladerecords.com or metalblade.com. Just Google yeah. it. Yeah, just Google it. And you can also pick up the vinyl, which I just did tonight. Uh, both records out on vinyl. Both records. One, the first one is uh, Patience and Perseverance, and that's through Creator Destructor. You can get it off Amazon, whatevs. And then Revelry and Resilience, that's our Metal Blade release. So, uh, once again, just, just find it somewhere. Cool. And Eric is actually giving guitar lessons, too. We did a, I did a Skype lesson with him. Where can uh, Talking Metal listeners contact you to uh, get a guitar lesson? Honestly, just hit me up through Facebook. I had one guy email me. He was like, I want to take a lesson from Eric. And I gave him your email. I don't know if you ever contact me. Oh, that's cool. You can do e- my email as well. Uh, which, you know what? Just do the Facebook. Let's just do the Facebook thing and keep it simple. Eric Kluber. And the spelling's on the Gypsy Hawk page. Because it's a weird spelling. Yeah, we'll link it through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Checking thanks, out. Mark. Yeah! Into the middle.
you just heard was a little gypsy hawk the song hey buddy let's 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 come down you want to come here and talk bud come here anyways what you just heard there was a little gypsy hawk silver queen check out the the rest of that record it came out in 2012 revelry and resilience i never did a best of 2012 list a year ago but if i would have that album definitely would have ended up on the list so let's talk about a few things that went on uh this past week the grammys uh, announced the grammys i will be up in a few minutes all right dude the grammys gave their nominations uh nomination press conference or whatever you call it this week and the complete list for some of the categories that we might be interested in are let's let's say um hmm, i'm looking i'm scrolling right now um 
Best Rock Performance, Always All Right, Alabama Shakes, The Stars, David Bowie, Radioactive, Imagine Dragons, Cashmere, Led Zeppelin, My God is the Sun, Queens of the Stone Age, I'm Shaking Jack White. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting that they've put Cashmere on there from the uh, Celebration Day DVD slash CD release. Led Zeppelin with Jason Bonham. I was a little bit disappointed in in that myself. Uh, you know, the, I just felt like it was fun to see them all up on stage again playing this stuff, but uh, there was a certain energy or something that I felt was was missing and could, I guess, be expected that it would be missing, being that these guys are pushing 70 now, you know. Um, so kind of interesting. I love My God is the Sun by Queens of the Stone Age, a great, great song. I was not as excited by the Queens of the Stone Age album, you know, as, as on a, on the whole, I thought there was like two really awesome songs on it. And I didn't think that, uh, the album itself was as good as some of the stuff they've put out in the past. I'm um, talking about, of course, like clockwork, is the name of that Queens of the Stone Age record. This is all my personal opinion, you know. And what else did the Grammys go on to nominate? They had um, Best Metal Performance, which these are songs uh, that they, I guess they, they do for Best Metal Performance. TNT by Anthrax, God is Dead by Black Sabbath, The Enemy Inside by Dream Theater. I've had a number of you guys tell me how good that new Dream Theater record is. I'm definitely not like a crazy Dream Theater guy. Um, that's just me. I do appreciate them. I know they're great musicians, you know, but that, that's, that's, uh, I know that'll turn some of you guys off. I'm sorry, but uh, that's, I'm just being honest. However, I've seen them in concert and I always love seeing them in concert. I especially liked it when they uh, opened up for Maiden back, I think, in 2009, because that was just like all the big hits and stuff, or the big popular Dream Theater songs, if you will. They've never had a hit, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> Anyways, again, let's let's recap. Best Metal Performance, according to the Grammys, or at least who they've nominated for Best Metal Performance. TNT, Anthrax, God is Dead, Black Sabbath, The Enemy Inside, Dream Theater, In Due Time, Kill Switch Engage, Room 24, Volbeat featuring King Diamond. I know a lot of you guys love Volbeat, too. Uh, I I appreciate them, too, but I'm, I'm not walking around with a super big heart on for, for Volbeat like everyone else seems to be doing. So I know I'm in a lonely club uh, with 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 that opinion but um yeah i don't i don't think they're bad i don't think they're bad i just don't i don't love love volbeat like some people are going crazy over volbeat uh -huh. all right best rock song ain't messing around gary clark jr i don't even know who the fuck that is cut me some slack dave Grohl, paul mccartney chris novoselic and pat smear songwriters uh the same the same bunch uh yeah i don't know that song's not that good honestly uh, i mean i know it's paul mccartney who's awesome and it's you know guys the nirvana guys who are who are awesome but it's not that great i loved uh, the sound city documentary and thought that that was that was awesome i i think that's where that song comes from jim rota by the way from fireball ministry produced the sound city documentary uh with dave grohl it was directed by dave grohl and uh it was i was glad they gave you know metal and hard rock it's uh it's due 
and they included Vinnie Appice in that documentary. Uh, Sound City, again, was a recording studio in the Los Angeles area, and there's a great documentary out about it. And there's a soundtrack that that goes along with the documentary that has this Paul McCartney song uh, that he did with Dave Grohl and Chris Novoselic and Pat Smear. Pat, of course, was uh, part of Nirvana in the final year or so, I would I would say. Uh, anyways, to continue on with the nominations for Best Rock Song, Doom and Gloom, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, yeah, whatever. God is Dead, and I love the Stones, don't get me wrong, I just wasn't, again, totally excited by the, the more recent, the last album by the Stones. God is Dead, I love that song, man. I love the Sabbath record, I love the Black Sabbath 13 record, it's on my top 10 list for the year. Some people don't like that particular song. I love it. I think this is a great freaking song. Panic Station, Matthew Bellamy. Uh, love Muse. So I, I was, you know, if it, Muse have a lot better songs than that, but it's cool that they got uh, a mention. Best Rock Album uh, nominations for the 2014 Grammys are 13 by Black Sabbath, The Next Day by David Bowie, Mechanical Bull by Kings of Leon, Celebration Day by Led Zeppelin, Like Clockwork, Queens of the Stone Age, Psychedelic Pill, Neil Young with Crazy Horse. I'm not going to comment on these anymore. I'll just read them. I think that's about it. I don't think we care about best R&B record, best rap performance. I will say I have a best of 2000. 13 song list also listed on talkingmetal.com and not to freak you guys out but that particular list includes songs that are not hard rock or heavy metal so i i recognize that some of those songs you guys might not be into however the top 10 albums of 2013 according to me mark striegel that's listed on talkingmetal.com that is strictly hard rock and heavy metal because there were a lot of other records that I did enjoy this year that wouldn't fall under the hard rock heavy metal umbrella and I actually list a few of them on the site go check the list out it's a fun list to read through I will I tell you what I'll read you right now let's uh, read through some of the list I'm not going to read the whole thing I'll why don't I take like I'll just I'll hit a couple a couple of them for you my number one favorite record of the year, and again, I always have trouble with the pronunciation of this, Infestisumum by Ghost BC. Awesome, awesome record. Actually, the producer who produced that record, another guy whose name I cannot pronounce, is uh, featured prominently in the Sound City documentary that I mentioned earlier. My second favorite record of the year, The Winery Dogs. That should be of no surprise to you guys. My third favorite record of the year is the new Queensryche record. I'll jump around a little bit. My sixth favorite record of the year is Sounds Like Hell, Looks Like Heaven by a great band named Mustache. Love those guys. And I realized that record was actually released in Europe back in 2012, but it was not released here in North America until 2013. I did not hear it until 2013, which is why it has landed at number six on my top 10 of 2013 my top 10 heavy metal and hard rock records number seven i have life sentence by satan uh what a great overlooked record man go check that record out it's so good the production i love it's so dry and just in your face you can hear every little nuance 
and there's you know not a lot of reverb or compression or anything like that. It's it's kind of honestly a real new wave of British heavy metal feel. It's it's a little rough, and I like that. I like that. And a lot of great songs on that record. Actually, let's hear one now, and then we'll come back and talk about my eighth favorite record of the year. And again, I had 25 albums that I that I loved this year, and it was tough to narrow them down. But uh, yeah, this is my number seven record of the year, a song off of that record. The record is Life Sentence. The band is Satan. And this song is Incantations.
What you just heard was off of the album Life Sentence by the band Satan. Definitely check those guys out. One of the stronger releases of 2013. And I tell you, this was a late comer to my list, but Generation Kill, featuring Rob Dukes of Exodus fame, put out an amazing record called We're All Gonna Die. And I just spoke to Rob about it uh, earlier today. I'm going to play that interview for you now. We're not going to talk about Exodus. We're not going to really talk about anything except the new Generation Kill record. Again, this is an album that I consider one of the best of the year. It's number eight on my list for the top hard rock and heavy metal records of the year. Again, the album is called We're Gonna Die. Again, the positioning of all these records is is always tough. And uh, Generation Kill, if I would have had a little more time with it, it was only just released. Who knows? It may have been been higher. It's hard. It's hard to say. Or maybe it would have been lower. I don't know. But um, at the moment I did the list, I, I felt like it had to be included because it is really solid, great, potent record that is not uh, that leaves you wanting more. You know the golden rule of show business is to leave them wanting more. I think there's too many bands and performers in general who who forget that. Uh, it's something they didn't forget when putting together this new Generation Kill record. Again, the album's called We're All Gonna Die. Let's check out There Is No Hope. It'll be a little sound sample. Go buy the full song on iTunes. It's a great freaking song. Uh, and then we'll talk to Rob Dukes.
Guys, as promised, we have Rob Dukes on the line with us. Rob, how are you this afternoon? I'm good, man. How are you? Waiting for the snow. Yeah, man. I was just uh, watching the the game down in Philly uh, earlier, and it, they're getting a ton of snow down there already. Yeah, and it's headed our way. So. Yeah, cool. And you're where are you? You're in North Jersey now. Yeah, I'm like right on the border of New York and New Jersey, like right on the on the I'm actually on the border of uh, Pearl River, New York. Meets up with like Montvale and Park Ridge, and like right there. Well, we had you back on the podcast on episode 400 for a real in-depth, detailed interview, but I wanted to catch up with you now and talk about the new Generation Kill album, which is out, and just talk about that. Uh, it, It really is a great record. Congratulations to you and the guys on putting out something that's of real quality. Thank you, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I figured... I was hoping that most of the, like, you know, old-school metalheads would get it. You know what I mean? I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I normally don't read reviews, but I mean, I have on this one. I've been reading a couple, and, you know, some people get it, some people don't, you know. And, um, you know, they're like, oh, we only like the hard stuff, and they don't like metal. And they, they seem to forget, you know, like, that, uh, you know, like from Metallica, Testament, everybody, you know, um, you know, does mellower stuff from Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, you know, um, if you listen to Sideways of Destiny, it's got a ton of piano on it and just mellow and, you know, and the same with Iron Maiden, their first couple records. So, you know, I think we kind of did that because we, you know, that's what we like and that's just the, the people we are. So we, you know, kind of tried to mix the album up and make it more diverse rather than just, I mean, honestly, it would have been easy to go in and just write, you know, just pure air songs the whole time. Um, and to break it up, I mean, it was actually more challenging. Yeah, I can imagine there's definitely a lot of diversity in it, yet it remains a very heavy record, at least to me. Uh, a song like There's No Hope, I just that blows me away. I love that song. It, how it starts so heavy and intense, and then it actually, unlike most songs, which you know, a lot of songs start out mellow and then they build into the chaos, that, that's an interesting uh, song because it, it almost comes down in, in intensity in, into a more... Um, I guess mellow state. I'd I'd call it. How how did that song all come about? Do you guys jam these songs like in a in a room at first, or do you just knock around ideas on the internet? Um. Well, no. I mean, we all got in a room together. Um. My, the guitar player. Um. Um. Uh, you know, the, both of them. Basically, what they had done is they had sent me um uh, a bunch of CDs. You know, uh, songs on uh, riffs on CDs. 
and I would drive around, I'd listen to them, and, and the CD, the, the riffs that stuck out to me, um, I would make a note, and then we would uh, get into the room and jam, and I'd say, hey, man, play me that, play me that riff, you know, and then I'd, you know, put the CD on and go, this riff, and they go, okay, cool, and then we would kind of start there, and, and uh, Velez had written that slow piece, um, it was a little different, um, but not much, and and uh, I really liked it, and I was like, I really want to do something with that, and I didn't know really where to put it. And then, um, it kind of, I kind of said, hey man, let's 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 do something like, like Diary of Madman. Like Diary of Madman had that killer breakdown at the end, with the with the with the with the guitars going real mellow, and then the the uh, you know had a, like a like a chorus of of people, almost like a church chorus singing behind them. And I said, let's do something like that, and. You know the song itself. You know, there's no hope. It, you know, it's really angry, and then it just seems to go into this place of just of almost like a quiet desperation. Like you know, the world's just it's over. We're not coming back from from where we were. You know, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, and uh, and I think it gets really sad. I think there's like a little bit of sad moments. I think the guitar playing at the end was um, really moving, and 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 you know. It gave me goosebumps listening to it, watching you know being in there while the guys played it, and you know it was uh, it, you know it's a, a, one of my favorite songs actually that we've written because it's just so dynamic. Like the middle section is very like Beatles, almost has like a Beatles feel to it with the with the with a real dissonant chord, and the multi layering of the different voices and different uh, vocal patterns I used, and you know so it was very you know it was a great song to write and be a part of and. Like I said, it's one of my favorite songs on the record. Yeah, mine too. And one of my other ones is Carney Love, which has just a great, um, I guess I'd call it like a walking bass line at, at times. Uh, that's it's an intense song and definitely digging on that one. Can you talk a little bit about the inspiration for the lyrics in that one? Um, yeah. Um, you know, Rob had shown me that that riff, uh, the he'd show me the bass line. I was like, oh, that's cool, man. It's, it kind of sounds like a little bit of like a circus kind of feel and then so I said I think I said I'm gonna write songs about a circus I think you know and, and kind of step outside and then you know listening over and over again and I, I had the the idea just to kind of floated in my head of you know how do they you know like how do they keep making circus people and, and like you know how do they keep making carny freaks you know and so they all have to kind of you know, sleep together and like you know, keep perpetuating the the uh, you know the freaks. You know, I mean, if you you know if you have uh, you know web feet and, and, and you know, like dog face boy and and all the you know on taboo and all those weird people. So you know, if they kind of made it, they could make you know weirder weirder people and then you know make money from it by uh, having people come see the thing. And it was just like this weird thought, and then I just kind of took the lyrics from there. I mean, it's really kind of how it started. It was just a simple question to myself and then it became something really I thought really cool and and it, to me it's the one song on the album it was actually the first song we wrote on the album and it was kind of like a divider between you know um, the, the album as a whole you know because the rest of the album is you know heavy and that song just had something really weird about it and to put it like right in the middle of the record I was like you know this is a it's kind of you know I said you know a lot of people aren't going to get this song um, because it's just it's very Mr. Bungle-ish very kind of Faith No More Totally. When I heard it, I thought, you know, yeah. there's a Mr. Bungle influence. Yeah, totally. I mean, Mike Town's one of my favorite singers, and I'm a huge Faith No More fan. It just, it gave us the ability to do something different rather than just to keep, you know, like I said, we could have written 10, 
fast, heavy songs and, and done that over and over and over again. We could have. I mean, it was, it would have actually been easier for us to do that. But to stretch out and to expand our, our, our musical horizons and do this, I mean, it was really challenging for, my, for our drummer because I think that that song actually goes into like some weird time changes um, at, at points. And it's very jazzy and it has like this open kind of, and he was kind of challenged by it in the beginning. And then, you know, um, so, you know, the vocal line on top of it is just kind of trippy and weird and kind of just flows like this really, you know, um, like organic kind of feel. And it's, you know, uh, it was actually uh, when Zeus produced it, he was like, this is my favorite song. This is the one that is just uh, really, it stands on its own because it's just so fucking crazy. He goes, but a lot of people aren't going to get it, especially like diehard metalheads that only want to hear it heavy. They're not going to get this. But other people, you know, people like Buckethead and people like Faith No More and, and, and Mr. Bungle and some of the weirder projects, uh, you know, are going to enjoy this. So Totally. Now, you guys chose to only put eight rec- eight songs on the record, which to me is a good thing because you always want to leave people wanting more when you listen to a CD and there's so many CDs that they, they just go on too long. Was this a conscious effort to keep it short like albums used to be or um, was that just kind of all you had at this point? No, it was, uh, we had more songs. We actually did, it was we actually didn't plan that way. We, when we sat down and first met with Zeus and we talked about um, our favorite records and... Um, and 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 we said, hey man, like all of our favorite records, you know, Master Puppets to you know uh, some of the Van Halen records, and you know, um, we're all you know uh, like the '70s albums, you know, like the Black Sabbath were were eight songs, and let's not you know, let's not over riff the album, let's not like let's not have like you know let's you know let's get everything to the point and 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 make it you know make it you know very um, listenable and uh, and and short that we. We just didn't want the over riffing to where you hear the same riff, you know, 50 times and then the lyrics start, you know. Um, we really wanted to make things concise and the songs were really um, important where we said, okay, well, you know, each one is its own identity, and but it's not going to, they're not going to be the same. So let's just kind of, you know, do what's for each song. And, you know, and we didn't want to have to like, there was no fluff and there was no, you know, just, you know, oh, this song, let's just throw that on there because, you know, it's heavy or it's cool, you know. Every song had a, had a reason for being on the record, and we established early on that we weren't going to have a 60-minute record. We wanted to have something that was eight songs, one vinyl, old-school, 70s style, you know, go back to the days when uh, when that's the way they did it, you know? So um, that's how we did it. That's how we came up with the idea. Totally. Uh, I remember I would buy those 90-minute cassettes, and it was always my hope that I could, you know, put two different records on each side of those at 45 minutes, and it usually worked, you know, and... and uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, I remember having, like, you know, Van Halen 1 and 2 on, 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 one, on one cassette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and just having one vinyl, you know, and, and uh, you know, nothing wrong with double albums, nothing wrong with longer songs. I mean, look, I'm, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, and, you know, I, you know, they have songs where the lyrics don't start for nine minutes, you know, and they have these long, drawn-out... And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, that wasn't our intention. Our intention was to really just kind of, you know, let the, let, you know, make it, like the, the album, if you can, like, the attention span of the average human being nowadays is so short. Like, if you don't, like, if you don't, you know, give them, uh, you know, an orgasm in the first 30 seconds, man, you were, you lost them, you know? And right. it just seems that, like, you know, um, it, you know, people, they're, because of that, 
you know, and the, and the ability to download your entire catalog of your entire life and with one click of a mouse, you know, I wanted the, the listener to be able to, like, this album is really great on headphones. If you put this album on in the beginning and put on headphones and listen to it for 40 minutes, you're going to have an experience. It's going to go up and down. It's going to be an experience of a ride rather than just, you know, full-on barrage of just, you know, the entire time. This was going to take you on a little journey, and if you follow the lyrics, which not everybody does, you know, most people, I don't, I don't know, you know, what most people like or don't like, but I've always liked lyrics. I've always read the lyrics and, and followed along and, and wanted to be taken on that journey. And, and, you know, when I wrote all the lyrics for this, man, I worked really hard in, in doing that and making the listener um, maybe not learn something, but maybe just experience something while they're in this, you know. And, um, and the album as a whole was going to be a journey. It was kind of be, my idea behind it was like, kind of like animals. Like when you listen to animals, you like, wish you were here. It tells a story, and, it, and it not only does it tell a story, it takes you on a journey. If you, if you close your eyes and put on headphones and listen to music in the dark like I do, or like I used to a lot more, um, you know, you're, you're taken somewhere very cool. And I was hoping we could do that with this, you know? Yeah, well, I think you succeeded, definitely. And, Thank you, uh, man. You've expressed to us in the past that it is hard for Generation Kill to go out and tour. Is that still the case with the new record, or do you have a little tour support and you might be able to get out there uh, and do some shows across the country? Well, World. you know, we, we, we definitely, uh, we definitely are, um, we went to Europe for a month, you know, and that was, uh, that was an experience that we were glad to have. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to tour. I mean, we had some offers come up, and, and, uh, and that's what we're doing. So, uh, we, you know, at the time, you know, Gary wasn't doing Slayer, so, you know, that was, uh, when we, last time we spoke, Gary was, wasn't doing Slayer uh, as often as he is now. So Exodus was really, I mean, I was on the road eight months, eight, nine months out of the year, um, uh, with Slayer, but, um, because Gary's playing as Slayer, I have more time. So I'm going to be able to flip flop between back and forth between the both and, and, uh, and do, uh, and put more time into Generation Kill and, so whenever Exodus isn't touring, I'm going to try and get on the road with uh, with Generation Kill. You know, good stuff, good stuff. Well, Rob, enjoy the rest of your Sunday afternoon. Thanks for checking in with us. Thanks, man. Hope to see you soon, man. Yeah, man, absolutely, man. We got to you know talk Star Wars. We got a new new movie coming out, in 2015. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, JJ's already a little upset because they're kind of Disney's pushing him to hurry up, but he's uh fighting the good fight, going, no, it'll be ready when it's ready, and, and uh, asking them not to put a date on it, but, you know, saying 2015, so... Yeah, they fired the know. writer, I think, the screenwriter, right? Yeah, they yeah. kind of did that, they kind of got, you know, they're bringing real people in. I really trust J.J. Abrams, and I really trust uh, um, Kathleen uh, Kennedy, to, who, you know, producing, so I think that between the two of them, I think all the right things are going to happen. And I'm not really worried about. I think it's going to be an exceptional movie, just like the Star Trek movies. I right. think it's going to exceed our expectations. But well, let's know. let's hope so. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, cool, man. <laughs> like All I right. said, for for some reason, I could talk to you forever about Star Wars and shit. So yeah, but uh, cool. But thank you for the interview. Thank you for uh, uh, you know liking the album and and uh, like I said, let's let's get together soon. Yeah, hope to see you, man. And uh, again, I do love the record. It's it's great stuff. You guys did a great job with it. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, take care.
What you just heard was a little sound sample, again, of Generation Kill. Probably a little more than a sound sample, but go pick up the uh, the full track on iTunes. That particular song we just heard was off the We're All Gonna Die record, Born to Serve. You hear babies screaming in the background? I have no fucking clue what's going on. My wife is upstairs with my kids, and uh, there's something going on up there. My, it sounds like my three-year-old is freaking out. So... Uh, hopefully you don't hear that, but if you do, that's what it is. Hopefully the uh, noise gate I add to this track will we'll pull out the baby crying. Anyways, yeah, man. Thanks for joining us, guys. I always enjoy doing these shows with you, and I missed you guys last week. I didn't do an episode. John uh, did a solo episode. I missed doing the shows with Victor. He was a little under the weather, and uh, then he had his uh, work Christmas party last Friday, so we didn't do a do a live show, but we will be back this Friday. So check it out. Support Talking Metal. We have a new sponsor coming in uh, January. I really need you guys to at least click through the link to that that new sponsor when we get that going. And in the meantime, please make a PayPal donation on TalkingMetal.com. Those are always great. It's always great to hear from you guys. And also, buy a t-shirt. We have Talking Metal t-shirts for sale on TalkingMetal.com in the uh, merch section. And, oh no, my son's back. What's going on? Come here, dude. You want to say hi? Come here. Say hi. Yeah, come here. What's Grant crying about? Come here. Say your name, Sam. I didn't hear My name's Harrison. That's my buddy Harrison, my, my oldest son, five years old. And uh, yeah, so do do what you can to support us. You know, a lot of people are Christmas shopping and holiday shopping now. We have Amazon links up, and in every episode, I post a link. If you go to the show notes on talkingmetal.com, you will see, uh, uh, you know, in the show notes, like right now, I'm at the last episode, 447, and right at the bottom of the show notes, it says support Talking Metal Digital. Buy a t shirt in the merch section. Use the PayPal tab to make a donation or use this link, and there's a link right there, to make a purchase on Amazon. That, of course, opens your Amazon. You can search your product. It doesn't cost you any more money. It's just an extra step. You go to Talking Metal and use our link to open Amazon, and we get some money back. I have no idea why Amazon does this. It doesn't make sense to me, but they do, and uh, they're like, they like give us money. So, uh, you know, help us out. An extra step before you make that Amazon purchase. Go to TalkingMetal.com. Use our link to open uh, Amazon on your computer and then do your business. That's all you got to do. Cool. Thanks so much, guys. I, I really appreciate it. And real quick before we go, the Facebook page, of course, is happening. And we do get uh, uh, emails on that and posts on that. And I really do appreciate all those. And you know, give us a like if you haven't done that. And uh, you know, here's Jay. A guy named Jay just sent me a little note on Facebook just the other day saying, just wanted to say that I love the podcast, man. Keep up the great work. Love the shows with Victor also. Just little stuff like that. That's the way you can support me, man. It's like, ah, wow, somebody's digging what what I'm doing here, you know? And honestly, I don't break even. I'm getting closer to breaking even now. I'm not complaining because it's it's fun. You spend money on your hobbies. You spend money on what you love, you know? But damn, if I could... I could pull a minor profit on this, which I think I'm getting close to doing, man, I'd be freaking ecstatic. It would be a nice Christmas present to, uh, you know, 
do more than break even on this. Ah, bah, 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 bah. Passing the tip jar, right? Cool. Guys, have a great holiday. Have a great Christmas. Uh, again, we'll do, we're doing a live show this Friday, which is December 13th. We'll have some live calling guests. I love that Donnie G calling into the last podcast it was freaking hysterical. Let me see. I feel like there was one other thing I wanted to read for you guys. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, there is actually. I got an email or a Facebook post or something. Let me see this from somebody. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, this came into the Talking Metal Facebook page from Derek. It says, hey, guys, I recently found your podcast and spent the better part of two days listening to it. It's cool hearing how band life is for the big and famous and gives me something to look forward to being a musician as well, even if I'm a sucky one. Lots of laughs. Love the interviews and love your podcast. You guys got a great fan for life. P.S. I'm sure you hear it a lot, but I want to chat with a crazy metalhead. Hit me up sometime. Cool, Derek. It, it, I, you know, it's it, it's hard to talk to everybody. Maybe you could call into the live show, uh, or we could call you. You know, if you listen to our live shows on Friday nights, they're not on every Friday night, but we're trying to get them on so they're more consistent. We have the ability to talk to you, listeners. You, you would just you know tweet us or or email us at marks uh, mark at talkingmetal.com, a phone number, and we could potentially call you, and you could chat some metal with us live on the live show, which then becomes a podcast the following week. All right, what should I play to freaking get us out of here? It's Christmas time, right? We could play the King Diamond, no presents for Christmas, but that would be pretty fucking stupid, right? Why don't we play a little Lemmy? This would make sense. We were actually talking about Dave Grohl earlier. I believe Dave Grohl plays drums on this. Uh, It's called Run, Rudolph, Run. It's Lemmy Kilmeister. And uh, it's appropriate because Lemmy was born on Christmas Eve in 19-fucking-45. He's older than my dad. It's crazy. Oh, God, yeah, good stuff. Oh, yeah, and this is Billy Gibbons on guitar. See ya. Out of all the reindeer, you know you're the mastermind.
Run, run, Rudolph, we're feeling like a merry-go-round. 